If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold up your hand if you need a Bible. And let's all go to Galatians chapter 5, and then we'll go over to Romans chapter 12. Galatians 5 and Romans 12. Galatians 5 and verse 13. Galatians 5, 13 says, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Aren't you glad you weren't called to bondage? You've been called to be free. Sickness is bondage. Poverty is bondage. Mental anguish and depression, all bondage. You had not been called to that. Right? That's not God's will for your life. You were called to liberty. But don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't use your freedom to just flesh out. <laughs> I know what I mean by that? Just be fleshy. Do whatever your flesh wants to do. But by love, serve one another. Listen to other translations. The Amplified says, Don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh, an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love you should serve one another. The complete English version, the CEV, says it like this. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve each other. With love. The title of the series is that we have been saved to serve. Said out loud, saved, saved. To, serve. to serve. We haven't been liberated from sickness just so we can watch TV without pain. We haven't been liberated from poverty just so we can buy everything for ourselves that our eyes ever saw, and that's all there is to it. We've been redeemed, we've been cleansed, we've been healed, we've been given peace and opportunity and freedom and strength and resources, not just to make ourselves comfortable, but to have the ability to serve the Lord by serving each other. And nobody's making us do it, it's love that's motivating us, by love, serving one another. Say it again, I was saved, I was saved to, serve. to serve. In uh, Romans, if you turn over there, Romans, the 12th chapter, please. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, uh, we talked about this in previous sessions that uh, there's mind renewal that we need to get concerning ministry. When you think ministry, you should think service. Service. The same word translated ministry in the New Testament is also translated service. Same word. And that's what it means. The word picture, if you will, of the Greek definition is like somebody waiting at table, serving you. And you turn in your order and they are bringing it to you. They are serving you. That's what the Bible means when it talks about ministering to you. 
Now the uh, other translations bring it out like this. The NIV says that this is your spiritual act of worship. Reasonable service. Same thing as spiritual act of worship. You don't have to be a preacher to serve the Lord. It's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ that are teachers and preachers. And yet you see people that, you know, begin to really press in and pray more and read the word more and go to church more. Invariably, they'll come to the conclusion, well, I feel like I got a call on my life. Uh, Yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. But that doesn't mean you're supposed to try to be a preacher. Everybody has uh, grace, graces, opportunities, abilities to be of service. Something that is useful, beneficial, fruitful to the Lord, to the church, the body of Christ I'm talking about. You know, we we saw the, uh, well, let me back up and say it like this. When we first started the church, and the Lord dealt with me about the vision for the church, and we started the service teams. If you were here, I mean, uh, uh, we, we talked about it, and then we had people come up that were heads of teams and prayed over the whole thing and prayed over them. And the Lord specifically dealt with me, don't call it ministry teams. Call them service teams. Because there needs to be some mind renewal. Uh, So many times when people think minister, ministry, they think, do something for me. (laughs) Help the ministry. Help the minister. But Ministry means what? Service. And a minister is a servant. And the master himself said, I didn't come to be ministered to. Jesus himself said this. I came to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. Well, the word ministry, if you look it up, other translations say service. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And of course, when we follow in his footsteps... That's what we do too. We come to serve. Now, uh, we talked about this, and if you would go over there and look at it again, Ephesians, the uh, fourth chapter, we ask the question, who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? The work of the ministry. And uh, the reason I ask that is because there is an unscriptural, incorrect idea that, dare I say, most of the church has concerning this. Most most churches have the idea that we got the ministers to do the work of the ministry. The preachers, the staff, and the people come and sit. So that's the concept of being saved to sit (laughs) and or soak. Soak in the good word. Soak in the presence of the Lord. Saved to sit. (laughs) But that's not true. That's not right. Ephesians talks about it in chapter 4 verse 11. said, He gave some apostles. The Lord gave gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, 
pastors, teachers. We'd call these, to modern vernacular, our ministers, our preachers. And he gave them, for why did the Lord give them? To do the work of the ministry? Actually, no. Verse 12, he gave them for what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The King James, you don't see it quite as clearly, but listen to the NIV and and others. I'll read you four or five. It said he gave these, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. What are the preachers given for? Not to do the work of the ministry, to prepare the people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. A handful of preachers can never do all the works of service that the body of Christ can do. Never. It's too big. It's too much. And beside all that, you can't develop just by hearing. And if all you ever do is come and sit and hear, you get no reward. You only develop by doing. Anybody in here remember learning how to drive a car? I don't care how many books you read on driving a car, how many videos you watch on driving a car. When you actually get out and do the driving of the car, you get revelations. Don't you? You go, wow, I don't remember reading about this in the book. (laughs) Or you, you read it, but it just didn't register on you. That I can't see the center line from over here. And, and I can't see the bumper in front of the car. And, and, and how in the world does anybody ever parallel a park? <laughs> that hole's just not big enough. <laughs> you develop by doing. That's it. If all you ever do is sit in here, you do not develop. You, you have to put it to work. You have to exercise it. Do you believe that, friends? And the ministers, the preachers, were not given to do all the works of service and to do all the work of the ministry. Remember, ministry means service. But to he gave the ministers to help equip the people and prepare the people so that they could do the works of the ministry. That's what Amplified says. The Amplified translation, verse 12, says his, to my Jesus, the head of the church, his intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. The uh, preachers are not supposed to do all the praying or all the visitation or all the counseling or all the cleaning or all the this or all the that. And you got this happening all over the place. And people say, well, man, we got the best little preacher. I mean, he, he cuts the grass. He, he vacuums the carpet. He does everything, and he holds down two jobs. <laughs> well, it's wonderful that he's willing to. But I assure you, you're not getting out of him what you're supposed to be getting. Because if he's doing your job, he can't be doing his properly. And see, that's what happened in the beginning days of the church. And I mean, is that ridiculous or not that you got a church full of people doing nothing and four people got to do everything? 
while 98% of the folks do nothing, that's just nuts. Right? And yet that's what's going on in churches all over the place. And the sad thing about it is life is passing by and people are not developing and they're not growing up and they're not, they, they don't feel satisfied because you can't feel fulfilled and satisfied unless you're doing something in the kingdom that's of service to somebody. I don't care how much stuff you get, how much secular success you have, you'll never be happy and fulfilled on the inside until you become spiritually of service. And it doesn't have to be preaching or quoting scriptures or prophesying. These folks on the grounds team, if they're doing what they're doing, cutting twigs, laying sod, pulling worms off a tree, if they're doing it because they love God, And they love you. And they want to make this place beautiful for him and for you. And minister to visitors coming in. The Lord calls it ministry. He calls it service. What else does he call it? Spiritual worship. See the mind renewal I'm talking about. Worship. Worship. And people say, well, what can I do? There's all kind of stuff you can do. All kind of stuff. Remember Jesus said, if you offer somebody a cup of cold water. In my name. He said, there's no way you will lose your reward for that. Well, it becomes eternal. If your heart's right. If you're doing it in love and in faith. Do you believe this is significant, friends? Do we need to get some changing in our thinking about all this? There needs to be major mind renewal. The gifts to the body... We're to prepare God's people for the work of serving. The easy to read says it like this. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. Now this is how you can tell if your service really means something. Some people imagine that they're spiritual and they're doing stuff, but is it helping anybody? If it's not helping anybody, you can be kidding yourself. But if it's real service, it's building the body. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. It's meeting a need. It's helping people. Do you want to be useful, friends? Do do you want to be helpful? Do you want to be fruitful? Time's passing by. We don't have any time to waste. Watch for opportunities. And good news is that the Lord's still on the throne. You're still breathing. You can still have some time. Right? To be of greater use than before. I am believing God for myself. For Phyllis and myself. For the ministries that are under my hand. That they will become more fruitful and more beneficial to more people. I'm believing for multiplication. Are you? And you know, uh, I was sitting looking at a, a big tree. Actually, the Lord spoke this to me years ago. We got an oak tree down at the place in Mississippi where I grew up. It was my great-granddad's place, and my granddad's place, my dad's place, and now our place. Huge. I'm talking this thing, what is it? Hundred-some feet high? Gigantic. It'd take uh, eight men probably holding hand-to-hand to go around the trunk. Huge. Gigantic. And I was standing looking at that thing one day. And uh, the Lord ministered to me. He said, that's how I intend Every ministry in church to be. What? Because when it puts roots down 
and it springs up, it provides shade. It provides shelter. And all manner of little critters find their home. Little frogs, little birds, little lizards, all kind of stuff find a home in this great big tree. And that's a church is supposed to be this way. It's supposed to put roots down. It's supposed to reach out and branch out and provide shelter and provide shade. And people from all over the place are supposed to find a place in the tree somewhere. Right? Doing something. Working. They find their fulfillment. They find their joy, their satisfaction, their service, their their sense of usefulness and importance and significance. And you get reward in this life and in the next. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me please over to Timothy, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. We've got a tree that started to grow up here in Branson. And already folks are finding a place in in the branches. We got a tree that's springing up down in Sarasota. I believe a lot of people will be able to find a place there. Right? To serve the Lord. Minister to Him. Minister to Him by ministering to His people. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter and verse 1. He said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. Verse 2. The things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now we talked about this earlier. That we are not to have a civilian mentality. We are to have a soldier mentality. And and how many do you suppose should be in active service for the Lord? How many? Who would have a legitimate excuse for not being in active service? Who's exempted of those? That's what the, the text that we read earlier are talking about. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God... In light of what God has done for you, how he saved you from hell, how he's cleansed you and healed you and delivered you and blessed you, it's just reasonable that you serve him, right? It's just reasonable, and it's also your spiritual worship. You don't just worship God when the music is playing on Sunday morning and you're saying, I worship you. You can worship him on a Monday morning. You can worship Him on a a Wednesday afternoon. You can worship Him in doing some of the most natural things when you do it from your heart as unto Him and to be a blessing to help somebody. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, soldiers, time they get through their training and time they get into active duty, they find out pretty quick they, they were not called to cushiness, (laughs) nor just comfort and convenience. You got to roll out whether you want to stay in the rack or not. You got to run if it's raining, if it's 120 degrees, you got to crawl if it's mud, if it's sand, if it's dirt, 
You got to clean your weapon. You got to, and when you get in the field, it doesn't matter. You got to go. And there is some hardness to endure, but a good soldier is not a whiny crybaby. A good soldier is tough, right? Good soldier will hit it, go through it, do it, do what it takes, improvise, overcome. Well, are you a good soldier? Are we supposed to have a good, not just a soldier, but a good soldier mentality? Said out loud, I'm not just a civilian. I am a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, that's a different mentality, isn't it? Now keep reading, and he goes on to talk, describe the kind of mentality a good soldier has. Verse 4, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. The New American Standard says it like this, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. The biggest competition The biggest opposition to our service for the Lord is our own life, our own everyday life. It is the biggest competitor and hindrance to our full service for Him. We talked about this. We want to go further into it today. Doesn't mean you can't work a job. Doesn't mean you can't have a family. Doesn't mean you can't play some. Have a hobby or some recreation. But we need a revelation that this life is not what it's all about. And if we just live for this life, we're fools. You know, we must remind ourselves of this continuously. People live like they're going to live here forever. And like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is to die. And so you only go through life once. And so you got to grab everything that you can while you can. And it's all about trying to be comfortable. It's all about trying to enjoy a few things and have a good life. That is not true. I said that is not true. Millions live that way. But it's not true. The truth is, this is the shortest thing we will ever do. And your and my life is going to be over just like that. The Bible said it's a vapor. It is. And if the longer you live, is it true, folks that are getting older, the longer you live, the faster you realize it is. It's just, wow. Here we are at the end of the year. You remember the beginning of the year? Almost. It's like, whoa. Now, all we have known is this life. But go with me to John 12, please. We can take the Lord's word for it of what's going on and what's coming. We're not here just to have a good life. We're here on a mission. 
We're here doing our tour of duty. Are we talking about two vastly different mentalities? Here to have a good life versus here on your tour of duty. In John 12, 25. Now before we go any further, how many think you can trust the Lord? Is he trying to take anything away from you? No. His way is the best way. You're going to enjoy more and have more going his way than remotely possible going your own. He said in John 12, 25, he that loves his life, talking about in this world, what will happen? Didn't say he might. You shall lose. You will lose it. If all you live for is this life, you put everything into having a good life down here. It will slip through your fingers. You see people. Seems like just about time they're getting where they want to be. They got the house paid off. They got the kids through school. They can take those cruises. They can do that. And they find out they got six months to live. Friend, this life is not enough. The American dream, the retirement dream is an illusion. There's not enough stuff, there's not enough playing golf or traveling that can fill the inside of you and satisfy. You are a spirit being created in the image and likeness of God. You are an eternal being. You're not just made for this life. You're made for eternity. If you love this life, and this is all you live for, Jesus said you'll lose it. But he that hates his life in this world, now that's, that's strong, that doesn't sound right to our mind. What do you mean hate this life? The more you learn about the life to come, the worse this life looks. I believe strongly it is the mercy of God we don't know more about heaven than we do. You don't need to know more. (laughs) Why? Because you'd want to go now. (laughs) You don't need to know. Some things is easier for you not to know. This is all we've known. We were born into this. We've been here a few years. This is all we know. But I'm telling you, just from what little I've found out, this, this, if you could get out of this with the Lord and then come back in, you'd go, oh, no, no, no. Please don't make me go back. Please. Because you've, you've never been in an environment where there was absolutely no curse, no sin, no condemnation, no pain. You've never been anything like that. But you will be. And when you are, you'll never want to come back to this. Loved ones that have gone on, you know, it's so foolish for Christians to to cry and grieve like there's no hope and tomorrow. Why don't we know better? Why didn't we know they were going to die? And you and your dog and your cat and your goldfish and everything you see is going to die. Lord Terrence is coming just that much longer. But a good soldier knew we weren't sent here for vacation anyway. 
We got a job to do. We're in service, active service. We're on our tour of duty. Can you say amen? amen? He that hates his life in this world, he'll keep it. If you're willing to sacrifice some things down here in order to get your service done, then you won't have any regrets. I know when my father went home to be with the Lord, he wasn't all that old. And it bothered me for a few days. I thought, well, there's some things I wanted to do with him. I was just now getting to the place where I could do certain things for him. And I thought we'd get to do some other things together. And it bothered me some. And the Lord corrected me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me he spoke to my heart. He said, "He said, who said you won't get to do those things? So I'm acting like this life is all there is. How foolish. How ignorant. He said, who said you won't get to do those things? I thought, you're right. He said, some of the things you think you want to do, later on, you won't care about. (laughs) They will be so. But some other things you still will want to do, and you will get to do them. Your dad's not just in your past, he's in your future. Do you believe this? And so is your family and your friends that have gone home to be with the Lord. Are you believing God to live a long time? That's good. But... You're going to go to a lot of funerals. If you live a long time, you're going to outlive a lot of folks. You're going to go to a lot of funerals. Can you handle it? The big thing, the, the big, big, big thing. Did they know the Lord? Man, if you can be confident of that. Oh, yeah, you, could, you might shed a tear. You might want to go see them sometime. But you know, just in a few more days, you'll be out of here too. And Should we live with this awareness? And if you do, you won't grieve like those who have no hope. You will see things totally different. And you will think differently. You'll live differently. And you will be, you will have absolutely no fear of dying. And that will make you a bold, hard to handle Christian from the devil's perspective. (laughs) Because if you're not afraid to die, You are a one courageous man or woman. You'll face anything. He will say, what if you die? Hey, in a few days we're going to die. Keep reading. Verse 26. If any man, Jesus said, if any man serve me. Are we talking about saved to serve? Serving the Lord. Jesus said, red letters, head of the church. If any man serve me, what should he do? Let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Thank you, Lord. Boy, the honor of God is not to be compared with you honoring yourself or with other people honoring. But if you're going to serve the Lord, he said, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. The scripture is full of the Lord calling people and them leaving and following him. Listen to a few of the, uh, the accounts. Let me just read some of them to you. 
The Bible said concerning Abraham. Don't turn to these. Just listen. Genesis 22:11. The Lord called Abraham. He said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abram said, here am I. Won't you say it out loud? Here am I. What did the Lord say? Where I am, that's where my servant, the one serving me, is going to be where? Where I am. Genesis 46, 2, the Lord, same thing with Jacob. He said, Jacob, Jacob. And Jacob said, here am I. I'm here. Here I am. Exodus 3, 4, same thing with Moses. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said what? Here am I. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 4, same thing with him. He said, the Lord called for Samuel. And Samuel said what? Here am I. Here am I. Isaiah, the same thing, Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. I'm here. I'm here. This is a word of the Lord to us today. Are you listening, saints? What did Jesus say about being able to serve him? Look back at the verse. Put it back up, please. John 12, 26. John 12, 26. What did it say? If any man serve me, do what? Let him follow me. You know when Jesus found Peter and John, and he said, come, follow me. And the Bible said they left their nets, they walked away, they followed him. When he found Levi at the tax collector position, he said, Levi, come follow me. And the Bible said he left all. He walked away and followed him. What is the biggest competitor for the Lord's service? Our own life. Our life. You can't serve the Lord and not be where he is. You can't remote serve him. Serve him from a remote location. <laughs> well, Isn't he everywhere, Brother Keith? Yes and no. He is everywhere present. But concerning the work he has for you, that's not everywhere. So there are specific times and places where he is for you. And if you're going to serve him, you've got to be there. I know when the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I, about uh, moving out to uh, Oklahoma. We were in Mississippi. Moving to Oklahoma. Attending Raymond Bible Training Center. Some of my. my well a, a pastor. More than one minister. Tried to talk me out. Of going. And one individual. I mean I cared for him. He cared for me. I knew it. But he, he reasoned with me. And, and I didn't know much. This is a long time ago. You know, I don't know much yet, but especially didn't know much then. And uh, he, uh, he said, Keith, we need young people like you here. There's not that many young people that's really serious and committed to God. I need you. We need you at the church here. Isn't the Holy Spirit the teacher? Why can't he teach you here? Isn't the Lord everywhere? And I didn't know how to answer him. I just knew I was supposed to go. And not just anywhere, but to go there. Then. And uh, I couldn't explain it to him. I couldn't 
answer his reasonings and, and arguments. But the Lord was directing me to go there. I thought we'd go there for a year and then come back to Mississippi. <laughs> but at the end of the year, something wasn't quite right about we're getting ready to go back home. But something just wasn't quite right about going back. So we prayed and prayed and, and decided, well, we were supposed to stay another year. And that turned into five and ten and fifteen and twenty years. But just a couple of months after we were there, the Lord gave me, I didn't know it, but he gave me our directive for the next 20 years. It was three words. Help Brother Hagin. Well, I, I didn't know him personally. He didn't know me. But you know, that doesn't matter. Help Brother Hagin. Well, if that's what he's directed me to do, how can I help Brother Hagin and Phyllis help Brother Hagin, Miss Aretha? If we're not where they are. We talked about this before. The, if you know everybody's supposed to be in active service. And you know the Lord's dealing with you. And there's opportunities. And needs for service. And you don't serve. You got to have a reason why. And it falls under the category. Of the two syndrome. That we talked about. T-O-O. Why aren't you serving? Too old. Too young, too broke, too busy, too this. And one of the twos is too far away. Too far, we're, we live too far away. And, you know, if we were closer, we'd be more involved. We'd do more. And why can't you figure that out? <laughs> See, you have a choice. You live where you want to live. Or you go where you're sent and you stay where you're stationed. It does not work whether it's the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force to say, I'm joining, I'm enlisting, but I'm just going to serve from the house. (laughs) Send me my uniform, (laughs) send me my weapons. But I'm going to serve from the house. I'm going to serve from the house. Because you know I got to stay. Around here. This is where all my friends are here. My kin folks. I just grew up around here and I like it here. I was born here. I'm going to die here. It's, it's No. This world is not your home. And everything you think you like so dear is about to melt. None of it's going to be left. None of it. Not your ponds or your streams or your hills or your trees or your house. None of it is going to make it through this. Am I making this up or is it in the scripture? Live too far away. It's about commitment levels. In order to go on with the Lord requires greater commitment. All of us. Every year, every phase of life. To go on to the full call he has for you, full plan he has for you, you'll come to something and it'll require a greater measure of commitment. 
And at any, at you, me, any of us, any time along the way, you can stop and say, well, no, no, this is all I want to give. I, no, I, I got to save some me time. <laughs> and I got to save some. That's your life. And what did Jesus say? You can do it, but you'll lose it. Didn't he say it? You'll lose it, and you're foolish, because this life is not what it's about. There's some things you got to do, not to say you can't ever have some fun, but we are good soldiers on our tours of duty. Can you say amen? When we left Mississippi, my great-granddad had cleared the virgin timber off of our land. And then my granddad and, and then my, my dad were, you know, land was always a big deal. You know, not having land, previous generations worked their whole life, their entire life to get a little piece of land and get it paid for. And then to be able to hand that down to you, your sons or your grandsons, huge, huge, huge. And the Lord dealt with me, leave, go. You know, he told the same thing to Abraham, told the same thing to, didn't he? Person after person after person. And at that point, you find out, am I going to live for me? Or am I going to serve him? So we left. I left my uh, 37 Ford Coupe. I left my motorcycle. I left my dog that caught my Frisbee. We left our family. We, we left our friends. And it is one of the greatest things I ever did. Come on, are you listening? Because if we hadn't, you and I wouldn't be looking at each other. And we went to somewhere we never thought about going. But when you're in the military, you go places. You never thought about going. You get orders. You get shipped out. You can't serve from the house. (laughs) And so we were out there for a while. And I'm a country boy. I like space. You know, I don't like people right up in my face. And people crowding me in. I like Texas, <laughs> Wyoming, Montana. Hmm? Give me some room. And so from the time we got out there and we saw we we're going to be there a while, you know, after the first five or ten years, uh, <laughs> we're, I'm believing for a place. I've been in a little cramped apartment. You had to climb three stairs and, and wash you, washing in the basement and, and oh man, and and you, you hear everything through the wall and on top and on bottom. And so we, we, got, we kept going up and kept going up and kept going up. We got to the place where we could get a, a house and a place. We found a place. It was about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes away and land. Oh, man, I got a place to put my mule and my, <laughs> get Phyllis some chickens. And <laughs> I used to say that around Miss Aretha Hagen, and she'd hit me every time. She said, Phyllis does not need chickens. And I, said, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to get her some, Mom. I'm going to get her some chickens. But I, I wanted a place. And uh, it just didn't seem to come together. And, and it wasn't happening. And you could tell. Uh, and the Lord dealt with us. Won't you, I want you close to the Hagans. Well, they live right in the middle of town. <laughs> right in the middle of the middle. City, traffic, and uh, 
After a while, I began to realize the Lord's serious about this. He's not just playing with me. He wants me to move close to them. And I mean, right after, we'd been looking, trying to find a place out in the country and remote for uh, years. And when we made that change, I mean, just like that, found the place. It was amazing. Got twice the house for half the price. It just boom, boom, boom. And we're a mile from them. And it's in the middle of town. But man, we enjoyed that place. You know, the Lord knows more than you do. He's smarter than you are. And just a few months after getting in there, I realized he's dealing with me to learn how to fly. And the airport just happened to be 10 minutes from there. Watch about all this commuting. You can be losing days out of your life. And you cannot be available when and where you need to be. And if you say, yeah, but... I like that, yeah, you got a choice. You can live where you want to live. Or you can go where you're sent. And stay where you're stationed. Now I know this hits close to home. People will go, hey, I'm going to live where I want to live. You can. But that's not a soldier mentality. Get delivered from stuff. None of this is your final dwelling place. All of it is temporary, temporary, just a place to stay for a few days till we're out of here. And we ought to be mission-minded, mission-minded. I need to be where I need to be to give the support I need to give and to do my job, provide my service. And that may change in a year, it may change in five, and I got to be willing to be restationed, stationed somewhere else. Sent somewhere else, whether I'm 20 or 80, makes no difference. The Lord sent us to Branson. I had not one idea about coming to Branson, much less pastoring. That was a real surprise to me. And then we didn't think about going to Sarasota. That's not like some dream we'd always had. And why Sarasota? There's more people in Tampa. There's more people in Fort Myers. Why there? Well, why Branson? Why not Springfield? Or somewhere else? We are soldiers. Yes. Come on, are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Good soldiers. Yes. Good soldiers go where they're sent. Yes. And they stay where they're stationed. Yes. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to have to follow Him. Amen. And be where He is. Be with Him where He is. Or... You can live your own life. Live where you want to. Do what you want to do. But you will miss out on so, so much. I know when we, after we've been in Tulsa, we got that house. Such a blessing. I would mentioned this earlier. The, the Lord had just helped Phyllis to do her kitchen. She'd wanted to do her kitchen for 20 years. And the Lord finally helped her to do that. She just got it done. We just got in that house. And the Lord did with us. Leave that and go to Branson. And I mean, we just got, I just got my hanger, we just got the, the house, we just got this, we just got that, and you, you're starting to get a little comfortable. And you think, man, you know, this is working out pretty good, and, and the Lord dealt with us, walk away. And, and I, I'll be frank with you, for a few days I'm thinking, why is it be like just starting over again from scratch, and, and where am I going to stay? And the only airport they got up there at the time was, you know, 3,000 something feet with a cliff on both ends. And, and man, and how am I going to make it with this? And, 
And, and finally, I told you, the Lord spoke to me one morning while I was shaving. He said, do you believe I'm able to give you better than this? Much more than this. I said, yes, sir, I do. See, if you're too afraid to turn loose things, you'll never find out what he had for you. But I want you to know we are far better off in every way, every way than we were. And we're still going. Right? Are you willing to, to go where you sent? And to stay where you're stationed. Go with me to Hebrews. I'm not suggesting that you do something rash. and Just quit your job. Sell everything. Do everything. Just off the top of your head. You need to hear from him. But if he directs you to do something. You must not love any place or area or thing more than you do him. How many think you ought to be willing to turn loose of anything? Go anywhere, do anything he would direct you to do without knowing the big full picture. Just follow orders. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're stationed. Right? If you're going to serve him, you got to follow him. And you got to be where he is. Where he is for you. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I believe it is. The Lord's helping us, isn't he? He is helping us wonderfully. It takes faith to turn loose of what you know and to go to what you don't know. Doesn't it? It takes faith to turn loose security. I mentioned when the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I to go uh, to Oklahoma and do that. But what I didn't get into is I didn't see it at the time, but the Lord had been putting faith in us for about two years. Before that, we had been hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word. I didn't know what was going on or why, but by the time it came up and the Lord dealt with me, I wasn't too afraid. We weren't too afraid. We weren't too clingy. We believed God could get us there. He could sustain us there, and we wouldn't lose. We would get better. It takes faith, and that faith comes from hearing. And so what's going on this morning? What's been going on? Is his commands are enablings. The word is putting in you and I the ability. So when we get orders from headquarters. When we're sent. When we're stationed. We'll have the faith. To overcome the fear. And to turn loose. And step out. And to do our job. Because this life's going to soon be over. And how much money you made. And how much golf you played. And how much fish you caught. Is that going to matter? A thousand years from now. But offering somebody a cup of water in the things of the Lord. The Lord said, no way you'll lose that reward. Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Did you notice, or know, I should say, we are to inspire each other to better service. I'm to be around you and see how you're serving God and go, wow, I can step it up a notch. Right? Yes. You're to be around me. We're to be around each other. But that's not going to happen if we're not around each other. Where the next verse comes in. Verse 25 says what? Not 
See, that all flows together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. This not going to church is nothing new. It was happening way back then. People decided they were spiritual enough. They didn't need to go to assemble with people together. They could be just as good a Christian, just as spiritual as anybody, staying at the house. Or, you know, they felt close to the Lord out in the woods. Well, go out in the woods, but that don't mean you can't come to church. Go out in the woods five days a week if you want to, but why does that mean you can't come to church? I feel close to the Lord out on the lake. Yeah, I bet you do. But (laughs) that doesn't mean you can't come to church. The only time you can go to the lake is the same time we're having service. (laughs) No. And this is something e-members listen to me. You know, it's wonderful that you can be fed uh, through the media, through the internet. But you can't serve from the house. How much serving can you do just staying at the house? If, uh, now, you know, if you're serving somewhere else and you're getting fed supplemental with us, hallelujah, great. But if you're not giving anywhere, you're not serving anywhere, you're just sitting at the house and feeding, that's not okay. It's not okay. And you say, well, I live too far away. Change it. Amen. <laughs> this is a free country. Man, you can move from state to state with no papers. <laughs> Am I right, friends? This is America, man. You can load up a truck and go anywhere, anytime. <laughs> Beware the two syndrome. We too much of this, got too much of that, two, two, two. If you're a good soldier, you're not entangled in all the affairs of everyday life. You lighten the load for the journey. It's just stuff. I said, it's just stuff. Well, I have to make a living. If you are your own source. The Lord could give you a better job somewhere else if you're open. But if you're stuck in your mind and you're scared, then you'll live your own life and you'll cling to little small stuff that later on you'll kick yourself for how small you forfeited the plan of God over. The problem is if you don't step out and obey, you never find out what you missed. You just know you're unhappy. You just feel like there's more. I just feel like there's more. You know why you feel like there's more? Because there's more. <laughs> but you won't find it until you got faith. I mean, it is no coincidence that case after case after case, what happened with Abraham? He left. He went out not knowing where he was going. Is that right? The Israelites, they had to leave. They had to believe. It took faith, didn't it? To leave the known and the seen and the familiar and to step out into the unknown. But that's who gets to experience miracles. That's who gets to see the big things in the plan of God. That's who gets used beyond their wildest dreams. Get to be a part of things they never thought they'd get to be a part of. 
the people that had the courage to follow orders, to follow him, and to be where he is. Can you say amen? amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. What is your service to the Lord? Doesn't mean you have to be a preacher, but there's, there's a place. There's something you can do, and you don't want to quit looking for it till you find it, till you get in it, and when you do, it'll answer something in your heart. It'll make you happy. It'll fulfill you. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes, lift up your hands to the Lord. Say, thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be in your service. Forgive me if I've been fearful, if I haven't obeyed, if I've clung to things I should not have. Thank you for your mercy. Make clear and plain to me what my service is, where my service is, with what part of the body, what part of the church, and I will do whatever it takes to make that happen, trusting in you. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.